Changing Sky, Amanda Neal's novel telling the story of a young girl's journey through growing up, coping with her demanding father, through music, love and heartbreak. Rachel Summers reads the serialisation of the book for Brooklyn's Radio. Chapter 6, Part 1 The silhouette continued to draw closer, moving along the bank of windows and drawing towards the door of the barn. If it was my father, what would I do? Where could I go? Would he dare do anything to me in front of Belle? I stood absolutely frozen to the spot, unable to move or even think. I was so happy at Gertie's that I couldn't bear for it all to come crashing down. Recovering my senses, I motioned to Belle that we should leave as quickly as possible before whoever it was managed to get to the door and open it. But we were too late. Before we could get to the door, the handle turned and the owner of the silhouette entered the barn, their face illuminated by the overhead lights. It was Jimmy! It had been days since I'd seen him after he'd gone to find Summer but returned without her. Gertie had said he hated the fact that he couldn't be there to help and that he didn't want to be a disappointment. How could my Jimmy ever disappoint me? I think it was just difficult for him to accept defeat when he thought he was going to win the quest. He hated losing. Coming back without Summer meant that he hadn't succeeded, but at that moment I didn't care. I was just so pleased to see him. With a squeal of delight, I raced forward and literally threw myself at Jimmy, wrapping my arms around his neck and kissing him passionately. Later on, Belle would tell me that it was just as well that Jimmy saw what I was about to do and caught me, as otherwise I would have ended up flying right past him. She also added that she thought that would have been hilarious, which was typical Belle, and oddly, one of the reasons I loved her so much. I've missed you, Jimmy. I've got so much to tell you. We went to the house last night, and it was so dark and cold. My dad has taken all our things, and it just doesn't feel like home anymore. And everything just tumbled out in a torrent of words, overwhelming poor Jimmy like a flood. At that moment, though, I just didn't think. All I knew was that I had missed him and the way that he somehow always managed to make me feel better. Whoa, Sky, slow down. I'm not going anywhere now. Take your time and you can tell me everything. Belle sensed we needed some time alone, so she made an excuse to go back up to the house and lay the table for supper. I was quietly pleased I was now alone with him. I'd missed him so much despite my head being full with working out all the mysteries that my family had left behind for me. Now it was just Jimmy and I, exactly how I liked it. He moved closer to me and brushed the palm of his hand over my cheek, then pulled my waist closer to him and put his hands around my hips. He felt so warm that the foreboding chill that I had felt just a few minutes before when I thought my father was coming to get me was completely gone in an instant. For a reason I couldn't quite explain, though, I still felt a little on edge. Jimmy's presence had caused a rise of goosebumps on the back of my neck, and I couldn't quite understand the strange sensation I felt between my thighs. The feeling was odd, but pleasant, and as he bent over to kiss my cheek, I felt that strange feeling again come and go. Jimmy took my hand and walked me over to the piano, where he sat down on the stool and pulled me onto his lap. I was watching you earlier, you know. You sounded just like an angel. I didn't know you had a voice like that. Jimmy began playing with my hair, twisting curls between his fingertips. When? I had no idea you were there. How much did you hear? I asked, suddenly embarrassed. All of it? Or enough to know that you've got talent? Gertie let me in through a while ago, but when I heard the piano playing, I didn't want to disturb you. 
I was sitting on the wall just outside, listening in. You and Belle sound great together. Well, Gertie's letting us rehearse in here now as much as we want, so I dare say you can come back and listen as much as you want to now. I smiled at him, pleased to have him back with me. Are you sure you want me around? he asked, and then pushed me gently off his lap. He got up and walked towards the window display and started picking up a few books to browse through them, but paid no real attention to them at all. What do you mean? Of course I do, silly. I walked over to him and touched the back of his arm. He turned to face me, his expression troubled. I'm so sorry I couldn't bring you your sister back, Skye. I really tried. She just thought her coming back was going to make things worse. Fuel to the fire is what she said. He looked so upset with himself and genuinely sorry. How could I ever be mad with him when all he did was try and help me? It's okay. I know I try, I know you tried your best, but I think there's a lot more to all this than we both know. I told Jimmy everything that had happened the night before. How Belle and I had broken into my house, my father's house, and had found the unopened letters from Summer. How I had taken the hammer to my father's bedroom door, putting a large hole in it that he was bound to see and know that I'd been there. How had I literally stumbled into discovering that my father had put the house up for sale and how empty it made me feel, as if my life as his daughter was being erased, piece by piece. You don't deserve this, Sky. you really don't. Jimmy looked at me sadly, his eyes full of sympathy. All I can promise is that I will be here for you whenever you need me, and that I'll do my best to keep you safe. With that, I reached my arms up around his neck and held him closer to me. I felt so complete when I was with Jimmy. We both knew no one was there, and for a moment it seemed the perfect time, so he leaned over and placed a soft kiss on my lips. He was so gentle that I didn't stop him, and for the first time knew that our relationship was suddenly changing. The feeling between my thighs had emerged again and was growing. I blushed as he kissed my forehead and cupped my chin in his hands, pulling me closer to him so that he could stare into my eyes. Don't worry, I haven't given up. You know me, Skye. I'm going to sort this all out and we'll find your mum. Don't worry, he reassured me. We both switched the lights off and locked the barn up to return back for Gertie's tasty supper of toad in the hole with lashings of onion gravy. I was starving after our long day in the barn and I couldn't think of anything more I'd rather have to eat. Jimmy stayed till much later than usual and after our kiss in the barn, I really didn't want him to go. My feelings for him had suddenly become different in a way I couldn't quite understand or even express. All I knew was that I couldn't imagine not having him around. Not just for a day, not just for a week, month or year. I wanted him around forever. Months swiftly went by without any discussion between Belle and I of our discovery at my old house. The precious letters from Summer remained tucked under my mattress and I had decided to also leave the photo from the music diary in the same place. Even though I had the letters from Summer, I found myself suddenly so angry with her that I left them unopened and unread. So she had written to me, so what? Why hadn't she made any effort to come and see me, to rescue me? to be the safe, warm source of salvation and comfort she had so often been when we were younger. Words were not enough. I needed her, not scented pages of nicely written sentences, no matter how loving they were. Having the letters was enough for now. What could I possibly gain for reading them? 
As for the photo, I didn't like the way that it made me feel about Gertie. If she had known my mother, why hadn't she told me? Gertie had been so kind to me. What could she possibly gain by lying to me now? I began to crave some kind of normality as an escape from the drama of my upbringing. As a distraction, I threw myself into working with Belle on creating our new musical kingdom where we both were rulers of our barn palace and made songs for our people. Every day was a new journey for us as we explored new techniques and sounds for our songs. Belle was so passionate about her playing that it became very easy for me to put lyrics together. We began adapting songs from the diary to create new ones of our own. Gertie often came and listened when the shop wasn't as busy, and she would sit in the corner of the barn quietly without saying a word. She said it was her way of not interfering, but still being there for us. I wouldn't have minded her passing a few comments, but Belle was very much in control of what we were doing, and it may have thrown her off if Gertie had been too critical. Gertie soon became my private tutor and pillar of strength that guided me. She was the aunt I never had and the grandparent that I longed for. My days were far from dull, like they were at school and home. They were no longer regimented, but I had a simple routine of fun lessons in the morning with Gertie and afternoon times after school singing with Belle in the barn. Jimmy also came to visit me whenever he could. Belle was happy for him to sit in at the tables and listen to us whilst we played, so long as he didn't make any noises or disturb us, or worse still, try to sing along. It did make us both laugh when she took it all so seriously, so Jimmy often teased her, by hiding her diary whenever she left it in the barn to fetch a drink. She wasn't amused. Mind you, neither was Jimmy, when, after hiding Belle's diary once too often, he found himself on the receiving end of a cup of tea loaded with salt rather than sugar. After that, he never hid Belle's diary, or let her make him a cup of tea, for that matter, ever again. The safety and warmth of my days with Gertie, Belle and Jimmy meant that I began to spend less and less time thinking or worrying about my father. I began to reason that the further he was away from me, the better I would feel. That was what I thought, anyway, until the day when Belle and Jimmy showed me the newsletter containing the story about my father having suddenly become ill and deciding to go away for a while. He had been replaced by a substitute head teacher at the school who had already proven to be far more popular with the pupils. I was surprised that the story left me feeling conflicted. After all, he'd put me through so much I shouldn't have cared that he was ill. He had made the choice to go away without making any attempt to find me or have me or Summer help him recover. It was like neither of us wanted to be part of each other's lives, like two magnets repelling each other. Yet, part of me, the part of me that was my father's daughter, didn't want to think of my father suffering. Whether he was popular with his pupils or not, he had been a dedicated teacher and headmaster. The story about him singing Hey Jude to Summer and I made me wonder whether had he once been a dedicated father too? It was that thought that stopped me sleeping that night. No matter how hard I tried, all I could hear were the words of Paul McCartney's famous song going through my head over and over again. Hey Jude, don't make it bad. Take a sad song and make it better Remember to let her into your heart Then you can start to make it better The more I thought about it, 
The more I wondered whether I could really hate Father enough to want to see him again. Or to never want to see him again. If I didn't try to forgive him, would that make me as bad as him? I wasn't sure I wanted to know the answer either way. Instead, I gave up trying to sleep and got out of bed. Crossing to the desk in my room, I picked up a pen, tore a page of plain paper from my journal and began to write. Dear Dad, As Jimmy and I were seeing each other practically every day and spending more time together, it became easier to open up to him. Belle had band practice after school and she didn't feel too well in the afternoon. She decided not to come over but to go home instead. Jimmy turned up about five-ish to tell me, so we both took a walk to the nearby village instead. We walked past the shops and up a long and hilly lane with sycamore and oak trees standing like tall sentries on either side. There was a gusty breeze that day as the autumn days started to overlap into winter. I had done my usual stunt of coming out dressed for summer, wearing just a light blouse and wholly inappropriate jacket. Noticing that I was feeling the chill, Jimmy took off his padded denim jacket and wrapped it around me. Once we arrived, he climbed up a huge oak tree and tooted like an owl at a squirrel to scare it off. He liked playing silly games. I think he liked to amuse me more than anything. He jumped down and we both headed for a couple of rope swings that hung from old trees in a dip. We swung side by side, talking about his day at school. He told me that my father was still away and that nobody had heard anything from him. It was then that I decided to tell Jimmy about my feelings about my father's sudden disappearance and my doubts about whether I could really hate him enough never to want to see him again. I told him how my confusion about what I felt for him had led me to write him a letter which I'd sent to him via the school, which had in turn promised to forward it to him. As the words came out, Jimmy stopped swinging and looked at me, an intense look of anger sweeping aside the smile that had been there only moments before. His eyes flashed as she shouted, What the hell were you thinking after everything he did to you? I can't believe you would be so stupid. Jimmy's anger had stung me, not just because he was angry with me, but because part of me knew how stupid I'd been and how much risk I'd placed, not just on myself, but Jimmy, Belle and Gertie too. I know what he did to me, Jimmy, but if he's really ill, then maybe I ought to find him. Try to make things right before he... Before what, Sky? Before he dies? Good riddance if you ask me. It was my turn to be angry. I know what he did, Jimmy, but he's my father... With my mother gone and my sister not even speaking to me, who else do I have? Who? Jimmy nearly fell off his swing. You've got me, Skye. You've got Belle and Gertie. All three of us love and care for you more than your father ever has. How could you possibly want to go and find him? How do you know if he's even ill? And what do you mean your sister not even speaking to you? It was then that I decided to tell him that I'd not opened the letters from Summer. How I was angry with her for abandoning me. Jimmy glared at me. After I went all that way to try and bring Summer back to you, why wouldn't you open them? I thought that contact with her is what you wanted more than anything. For Christ's sake, Skye, has it ever occurred to you that not everything is about you? What about your sister? How do you think she feels? With that, Jimmy angrily got up and started walking quickly back towards the lane and Gertie's shop. Wait! Wait, Jimmy! I kept calling over and over, pleading and hoping he would turn back, but he didn't. 
In desperation, I eventually ran and caught up with him. Taking his jacket off, I turned to him and threw it up in the air until it covered the top of his head, throwing him off balance so he stumbled and fell to the ground. I tried to stop him from falling, but it was too late. He did look silly and angry. "'What the hell are you doing, you stupid fool?' he cried, pulling the jacket off his head. "'I'm sorry, Jimmy, but you wouldn't listen. This is not easy for me, any of this.' I'm not ready to do this on my own, and that's why I'm telling you now. I'm sorry it's taken me this long, but I haven't been in the right place to deal with it. Please understand. I bent down to the ground where he was and helped him get back to his feet. He lifted up his jacket and wrapped it back around me again, his expression softening as his anger subsided. Where are the letters? he asked, taking my hand in his. Back at Gertie's, in my bedroom, under the mattress. There must be more than fifteen of them, Jimmy, that Dad never let me read. There must be a reason for it. Why would he stop me from having contact with her? And why hasn't she come to find me? I don't know, but we're going to find out. Let's head back now, whilst there's still time and see. Gertie will be making dinner now. She'll be distracted whilst we read them. He squeezed my hand tight and led me back to the lane that would take us back to gorgeous Gertie's. Rachel Summers was reading from Amanda Neal's new novel, Changing Sky. Further editions on Fridays on Brooklyn's Radio at 7.15.